Hello and welcome to Happy Hour on the Fringe. Fringe Arts is Philadelphia's premier presenter of contemporary performing arts. I'm Tanara Kalem, Community Engagement Manager here at Fringe Arts, and I invite you to pour one up and enjoy our conversations with some of the most imaginative people on this plane of existence. On this episode, you'll hear from Lauren Ryle-Smith about her contemporary circus organization, Tangle Movement Arts, and the new outdoor performance they've created for the 2020 Fringe Festival in Laurel Hill Cemetery called The Way Out. You can find more information about The Way Out and other independently produced shows in our festival at www.fringearts.com. But for now, kick back, enjoy your happy hour, and listen to this week's episode of Happy Hour on the Fringe. Okay, so Lauren, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, If you want to go ahead and share with uh, our audience who you are, what you do, and what organization you're representing today. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. So I am the founder and producer of Tangle Movement Arts, and we're a Philadelphia-based contemporary circus company, which means that we use trapeze and aerial silks and other elements of the circus to tell contemporary stories um, grounded in queer and female experiences. We do a lot of ensemble-based work, um, and the really fun thing about circus is that We get to be in this big interdisciplinary pot full of dance techniques and theater techniques. We use live music. We use interactive kinetic sculptures sometimes. So it's always fresh for us. Um, We've been part of the Fringe Festival since um, our founding in 2011. Um, So this is actually our 10th Fringe Festival. Um, Wow. Yes. And we were, let me tell you, we were planning a really big, big, big indoor performance. (laughs) to celebrate it. Um, And so we, when the pandemic happened, obviously all of those plans were scrambled and we thought a lot about making a fully digital work and decided we wanted to figure out how to make a big, big, big outdoor performance that would be in the flesh, immersive for a audience that would be completely safe for performers and crew that would be completely safe. We wanted to make zero additional COVID risk for anyone involved in the production at all. So Mm -hmm. That's been a big journey, <laughs> but um, yeah. you know we have at the same time we've done we do a lot of outdoor shows in our normal life. We do um, so every year. Tangle does do two major um, theatrical productions, and in the spring and in the fall as part of the festival, of course. But we also do pop out pop up outdoor shows um, throughout Philadelphia, mostly in the warm, warmer months. So we have a lot of experience producing circus outside. Um, so we were able to draw on that. <laughs> we also are really energized by a new format. (laughs) Um, So that's something we've done for the Fringe Festival at at different times. In 2018, we made a show at the Sanctuary at the Rotunda in West Philadelphia, which is a really special space. It's a room with 40-foot high ceilings. It's a perfect circle. It has a 10-second echo. It's (laughs) a... The floor is on a slant. So if you put a ball down, it like rolls from one end of the room to the other. Um, Yeah, it's a really special space, very rarely used. Um, We actually had to get um, a variance from the city to be able to be in there at all. And so we created um, a a performance that happened 360 degrees around the outside of the room with audience in the center, like the center of a donut. Um, Constant performance, constant interactive set, um, many different narrative threads. (laughs) 
So that was really fun. That's really energizing for us to figure out what this like really interdisciplinary work of circus can become when it's taken out of the big top and put in a more intimate setting. So that's what we did this time around in, in, in a totally different setting as well. So yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll get to like all the things that you mentioned, but oh, yeah. um, <laughs> I'm, so can you talk a little bit about this, this outdoor performance, the way out and um, you know, what, like what will audiences experience? You mentioned it's outdoors. You mentioned that it's safe, mm. but can you just like walk us through the experience for the audience? Absolutely. So the first, the, the guiding principle is that we wanted, as I said, to introduce no additional COVID risk to anyone in our audience, but also our performers and crew. Um, so every aspect of our production has been reimagined. You know, we we are usually like all out there laying cable with our lighting designer, for example. So we won't we won't be doing that uh, this year. Um, so that for, so thinking through what's logistically possible with that format, we thought, all right, so to be as conservative as possible, we're going to have a barrier between audiences and performers and a car is a barrier. Um, so that we're starting with this audience on wheels. Um, we're going to have the audience move from space to space. So, um, upon entering the grounds of the amazing Laurel Hill Cemetery, which is this gorgeous historic cemetery, incredible cemetery, it's a really special space. Um, in East Falls, neighborhood of Philadelphia. Um, so audiences will arrive. Um, an usher will greet them by cell phone with all totally no contact um, and help them get into a waiting area um, where they'll line up to one at a time enter the performance. So audience members will drive through the gorgeous rounds of Laurel Hill, pausing at each performance station to take in a brief performance from each of our amazing guest artists. So we have... Um, six total stations throughout the grounds wow. of Laurel Hill. Um, so they'll, t and each of our artists has tackled the question, what is the way out of our current moment? I know that's a question that I've been like obsessed with since March <laughs> or possibly longer. Um, yeah, totally. <laughs> <it's a> bit, <laughs> um, and sometimes the like, what are we getting the way out of has changed, but it's actually like, how, what is, what is the next step here? So that's, yeah. we decided to make a performance that was engaging very directly, even literally with that question, like what's the next stage? Um, so we, and we have just an amazing host of interdisciplinary performers. So the audience will spend time with each of those performers and then they'll move on to the next, getting kind of like different facets, um, different answers, different takes on what that answer is. Mm -hmm. Their final station will be Tangle's aerial rig. So as I mentioned, we've spent a lot of time performing outdoors over the past 10 years. Um, um, sometimes at craft fairs and festivals, sometimes um, just we made a show with the Philadelphia, city of Philadelphia performance in public spaces in Clark Park in our hometown, West Philly. That was really fun. Um, so Tangle's aerial rig, we can perform anywhere as long as the, the there's nothing overhead <laughs> that's too high um, is set up. And that's the last station that the audience will experience um, Tangle's aerial dance on trapeze and aerial silks and other um, apparatuses. And that's then- awesome. And then they are guided out and, and they go home with, um, with now, with hopefully some answers <laughs> or more questions. Um, yeah. So that'll be the question of how, what is the way out? Yeah. I hope because, you know, one of, when the pandemic started, I realized that that like that experience that you have when you go to a live performance, it's like nothing else where it's like this sense, this moment of like communion and intimacy with someone who is really sharing who they are and what they're thinking about on stage, you know, framed and transformed by stage lighting. Um, in that, that kind of like, 
uh, moment of being completely outside your normal self, and maybe the performer is also outside their normal selves. That's something that I realized I was still missing. Um, and digital performance is really amazing and exciting, but it isn't the same. So um, right. we wanted to kind of serve up a um, a, a platter <laughs> of those chances for connection. So clarify something for me. Was yeah. the way out something that um, was sort of like a rapid response to the current moment or were you planning on engaging with artists to create this sort of pastiche of different acts answering the question of what is the way out and then with the pandemic the sort of way through the piece changed Mm. or like can you tell me a little bit more about what the inception of the piece was and then um if covid necessitated something or if it was um if you were always planning on doing something like this for the 2020 festival that's a great question so a little bit of both um the the really fun thing about tangle um one of the really fun things about tangle is that we've had a nearly stable group of collaborators since its founding so that is such a privilege um to be able to say especially in the world of circus arts where frequently people are like oh, do it, partner. I'm so committed to you. Sorry, I got a contract. I'm going to go to France for three months. Well, not anymore. <laughs> but um, <laughs> really, there's, it's very hard to make long-term collaborative relationships in the world of circus. So Tangle has this other rhythm where we're like just really grounded in the Philadelphia performing arts community. And we've done 10 consecutive fringes um, and many more besides, many more shows besides. So we have this really long history. So we're able to say to one another, you know, you said something in 2013 and we never got to work on that. Like, let's come back to this. So <laughs> it's so we so to, to a degree, we've had some like, we really wanted to return to the immersive format. Um, we learned so much when we did that 2018 show um, at uh, the Rotunda, and we really wanted to take it to the next level. Um, we actually literally were planning to do a show on two levels um, of a building with an audience mm. that had to move from floor to floor. Um, cool. That was, oh, was going to be so fun. <laughs> um, and we were kind of just at the beginning stages of like, refining both like the like um emotional and intellectual like sparks that came with that idea for us Mm -hmm. and also um trying to figure out like uh like the literal like all right well if the audience is here then only x amount of people can go up the stairs at a time and so forth you know like how are we going to make it accessible okay we'll have an elevator you know so we were just kind of digging into that stuff and as I said, like that, that logistical challenge is just like so delicious to me. Um, <laughs> um, so we had, you know, we had some seeds for that concept. Um, and when the pandemic came along, you were like, okay, so for example, we're not going to be serving food to the audience that had been one of our um, fantasy right. items. Um, but taking the kind of the bones, um, actually the way out had been a title, um, for example, that I had in mind about, you know, totally different dynamic but that was already on on the table for me um mm-hmm. it seemed but it translated so neatly um when I started thinking all right so we have to totally change the format but I think in some ways the questions that we had been asking felt even more real um when the whole world changed yeah so so the spark was there and then the the pandemic lit the flame <laughs> exactly so we do you know we've we've collaborated with artists outside of the circus community um before for sure usually um we've collaborated with live musicians we've collaborated with with artists who helped create interactive sets for us that's been really fun but we don't we haven't really had a chance to really make work with performing artists um like dance and theater artists outside like we've done like shared bills etc um in this kind of like deeper way um, uh, before. So the gift of, of connecting with our amazing guest artists um, 
for the the 2020 fringe has been really exciting um yeah. and for me circus arts is exciting when it you get to translate that kind of like kinetic virtuosity that kind of like de- death defying mm-hmm. feats <laughs> um of uh, of physical skill and when we get to translate that into more um traditional storytelling formats where we're connecting with like using skills from dance and theater to to tell more intimate stories to me that's like the 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 heat um yeah of the work that we do so it's the it's really rewarding to connect to to work with these um dance and theater artists so speaking about these artists um like, you know, posing this question of what is the way out, Mm -hmm. did any of their artistic responses surprise you? Or, you know, what's what's sort of the range of responses to that question? That's such a great question. Um, I really found, it's funny, um, looking at, we got such an amazing response. We got many, when I I shared this call for guest artists, we got such an amazing response from Philly's performing arts community. Um, I think people are just really hungry to figure out ways to present live work um, in our present circumstances. Um, and, you know, reviewing, reviewing these, these performers with um, the rest of Tangle's ensemble, because just to take a step back, um, uh, all of Tangle's creative work is devised collaboratively by our ensemble. Um, so a lot of converse, a lot of time in the studio, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of email chains. Uh, <laughs> um, so talking about it with Tangle's ensemble, it was just like, so rewarding to to realize how many artists were working on questions that were already like really resonant with us um and you know some folks that we talked to said i'm i want to make a new version of this piece right i'm going to make a totally fresh song um for this performance but you know this is these are my tools this is my background this is prior work and we've said we were able to say like oh wow like i i love that you do um Christina Elpvet is one of our guest artists, and she has she is a, a dancer, choreographer, and a sculptor. So she works a lot with dance that is uses physical materials to bind or connect or constrain the dancers. Um, so she has this really amazing um, dance work that she shared with us called Entangled. Actually, very on the nose for us. Um, mm-hmm. uh, there were um, her performers are. Um, wearing these like long woven textile sculptures that um are provide like literal tension between the dancers um so which we were joking like it's it's like a match made in heaven this is like exactly what we do (laughs) because for us um most of our work is aerial dance that uses trapeze or aerial silks etc so we always have this like object that's a dance partner that holds our weight or that we're trying to escape from um there's a lot of like instant metaphor and instant chemistry um with these like these physical objects so we were just like instantly like oh i like we really connected with that work um uh that she that that she had um although she'll be doing a, a different version um a different format for the for the show which I'm also really excited about that's awesome yeah this is like so exciting so um why Laurel Hill Cemetery I mean I've I love Laurel mm. Hill I'm um I spend a lot of time in East Falls and it's one of my favorite places to walk around mm-hmm. and I think like Philly has such a great number of well-preserved cemeteries that in the very like sort of Victorian tradition also serves as as destinations for being outside Mm -hmm. Um, and so I'm curious like what about the cemetery fit your needs or um, did it elevate the material in any way was it was it a thematic choice like can you talk a little bit about the site for the piece that those are all such great questions absolutely well so I actually came up with this concept while walking in a historic cemetery (laughs) 
in the Woodland Cemetery, the Woodlands Estate, which is in my neighborhood of West Philadelphia. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, and when the pandemic hit, we, my family started spending a lot of time outside. I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old. Um, so we really got to like eat up the miles somehow. Got a lot of energy in those little legs. Um, and so at, at, just from a personal perspective, we started spending a lot of time in the Wissahickon, which is, you know, just like a jewel of Philadelphia. So wonderful. And we realized that the um, the more like dense foliage and the narrow trails that are just like a the layout of a of a natural space um, are actually a little more challenging when you have a lot of people all having the same idea. Let's get out to na- in nature. Um, you know, it can be actually a little challenging to navigate that on the path. So then we realized we started gravitating to this you know this gorgeous green state a space in West Philadelphia, the Woodlands Estate. Um, uh, where Tangle has performed many times, um, uh, and realizing, you know, like these these historic cemeteries, they're they're beautiful, beautifully landscaped. They have like architecturally interesting monuments, and they're really designed for a lot of people to be visiting. To be, you can see someone coming from a distance. It's not very dense foliage. They're multi-path. They're really designed for people to spend time visiting, and literally, that was the inception of these rural cemeteries you know they were um rural meaning um uh landscaped um is is the term these historic cemeteries from a time before public parks and from a era in which people spent more time with their dead um you know people would uh visit one another and visit um their dead in the cemeteries and maybe have a picnic um at the same time as as visiting a grave so it was very striking to realize at the early stage of the pandemic that you know my family and many others were kind of rejoining that tradition um in part because these spaces were just really perfectly designed um for this need for an outdoor green space that has the right amount of density and then of course it's it you know, in this challenging time when there's a lot of loss and death, um, to be able to say, you know, I think that I think the pandemic is such an abstraction for so many people, um, people yeah. who aren't frontline workers, um, or they, we don't have memorials to the dead lost at COVID, or we don't have mm-hmm. like concrete ways of talking about all of the other types of loss that have happened, that there is something that feels really important about being able to say, I'm literally looking at monuments right now. I'm, I'm present with this, this fact of life. Um, so that we were spending a lot of time individually and with Entangle, the other artists I talked to in that mode. Um, so this world together for us, for us, we feel, and you know, Laurel Hill is such an amazing, iconic, it's a part of Philadelphia. It's a destination for tourists and locals. Um, it's a gorgeous space, really dramatic views. I'm really excited to bring an audience there. They're not usually open in the evening, so it's going to be really, really special um, to bring our our, our performance there. Um, and um, they they know it. <laughs> they know how special their space is. They have so many visitors. They have like such a gorgeous um, grounds, and they do a lot of events there, um, not during the pandemic. Um, they do tours of the space. They also host other performances. They have um, markets, et cetera. And I think that they, they really know that it's, it's special and unique to have a space where living people can commune with the idea of death and, and be present with it and say, this is not something that's kind of lacking in our culture generally. Um, so for us, we feel, you know, this show is not specifically about death or particular people who are buried at Laurel Hill. Um, but we do feel that it brings that, that sense of like heightened stakes and loss, um, and contemplation, um, into the show. So that was very much the show, the, the venue is a partner with us in, in figuring out, um, 
the way out. And literally, you the show ends when you when you leave Laurel Hill. So mm-hmm. <laughs> there's if nothing else, you found the exit. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, separate from the context of the pandemic, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about uh, the emphasis of Tangle Movement Arts on being a space for queer and non-binary and um, femme stories, mm-hmm. um, it, specific to circus. Cause I think it's really interesting. You know, we hear a lot about, um, or I think I lo- most contemporary audiences are aware of where there might be inequalities in the performance world, but mm-hmm. not, you know, contemporary circuses is, is not such a huge part of American performance, mm-hmm. even though I do believe that's changing. And I think that's Philadelphia is a huge reason why it's changing. Absolutely. And fringe arts too, is a big part of that as well. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I think people just might not be aware of um, if there's, you know, maybe I'm like reading into this, but if there is um, a specific gap that Tangle Movement Arts is trying to fill, if you could talk about that, or if you're like, no, this is just like who I am, what I'm interested in. And these are the collaborators that I was interested in working with. And so that's sort of how it naturally came about. Um, well, thank you for bringing this up because I love talking about this. <laughs> yeah, of course. So my background is that I was never an athlete personally. Um, I kind of by chance followed a friend um, into um, taking a circus arts class. Well, first, actually, to be honest, I saw a contemporary circus performance in 2006, maybe. Um, and it just like some, it like, it filled a void in me that I hadn't realized existed. And I, I couldn't even fully tell you why. I was just like, this is something I want to get back to. So it took a couple of years before I was brave enough to try um, taking a class myself. And, you know, in the last 15 or so years, contemporary uh, circus arts as recreational fitness opportunities has like exploded across the US. You probably know someone who's taken an aerial yoga class. It's really fun. It's just like a really, like, really fun way to connect with your body. Um, and that was really satisfying to me. But it also, I felt this um, this instant uh, possibility for telling queer stories. Um, partially, the fact is that in circus arts, it's a place where all bodies are said, you can get strong, you're going to do pull-ups. Also, you're going to get flexible, you're going to be graceful, you're going to learn how to point your toes. There's kind of like this convergence um, of like gendered aesthetics that I found like mm-hmm. really exciting. Um, and... It's also, at the same time, when you see it on the stage, I almost feel like that kind of like instant excitement that like it's in the water, you know, like the gendered, gendered expectations are going to converge. There's, there's more vocabulary um, available to us than in normal, um, you know, like highly gendered dance um, mm-hmm. uh, settings. Um, this is a place where we could be telling queer stories on stage. And sometimes I think maybe almost as a reaction to that, what tends to end up on stage is very much gendered in, in traditional fashion. Um, you tend to see particularly at the high, like the internationally performing contemporary circus, um, very um, overwhelmingly male casts. Um, you tend to see if uh, female performers on stage as uh, romantic <laughs> uh, interests, um, totally. you tend to see them. So in circus, when, when, in circus, when we say when someone holds somebody else's weight, we call that person a base, and we call the person whose weight is held a flyer. Now, here's the thing. It's really like body proportions are part of this, but technique totally. is more important. Anyone can, and at, at stuff that is at an introductory level, anyone can base, anyone can fly, everybody gets held. 
that is just so that is that was like an initial spark for me. I said, I want to I want to make stories that use these like really literalized metaphors. Like I can hold you up or I can let you down. Mm. Um, like we, and as I said, we've had a pretty stable ensemble since 2011. So we've gotten to like really play out every <laughs> um, like many different permutations um, of relationships, largely between women saying like we're going to say that we have relationships that are romantic, that are antagonistic, that are deep friendship, that's friendship that's been broken. Um, mm-hmm. Getting to play that out, we're going to put like 10 women on stage over and over again. Um, so that's something that I think we're all hungry for. And when I found my initial collaborators, we were all hungry for that like feminist storytelling that uses these yeah. really literal metaphors. Um, uh, we're going to put um, different icons of female strength on stage. We've had seven months pregnant performers like four times. Um, <laughs> I've done it twice. <laughs> we just keep lining up with those like really big bellies and get to say like, you know, these people are really strong. Um, mm. They have really different sizes and shapes of body, really different gender expressions. So that's something that um, that's kind of, that's kind of the, the heat for me um, in circus arts. I just keep returning to that dance with, as I said, like the, the trapeze is a duet partner. Um, and then the other, the other bodies on stage, these, these collaborators, and for us, we say that, um, you know, sometimes we have like very explicit queer stories. Um, it feels really important to put those on stage. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's more subtextual. Sometimes the movement is about movement for us. Um, uh, it's for the way out. Um, we are, because of our COVID restrictions, we're not, all of our ensemble work is going to be distanced. So we won't have mm-hmm. two performers sharing the the intimate stage together. Um, yeah. But this is still, you know, a portrait of our whole selves on the stage. That's awesome. Um, this is kind of a, a, a shift in gears. Mm-hmm. This is sort of our last question that I'd love to chat with you about. But I feel like it it links, and maybe I'll, I'll share why I think it links. But it's something that I've been asking a lot of myself and um, a lot of the arts industry is uh, like – you know, what we've done in the great before, as Mm. as we can say, um, what we're doing now and what we want to continue to do in the great after. And so hearing you talk about all of the care and intention that went into creating Tangle Movement Arts as like a space for queer circus, Mm. um, I'm curious to hear from you if there is something that COVID has necessitated that actually you want to continue after the pandemic is over. Um, because I think that, you know, for me, especially, there are a lot of things that I have discovered or maybe rediscovered about my relationship to movement and to rest and to play and to my artistic process that I wouldn't have been able to discover without COVID. Mm. Um, and so making like little mental notes of things that I don't actually want to get rid of when we return to the great after. So is there anything organizationally that you that comes to mind with this question or even just personally? That is um, such a great question. Um, I think that this is a time, and when I say this moment, which is coming up a lot because we're saying what is our way out of the current moment, um, of course it's the pandemic, but it's also the economic crisis. It's the other ways that the cruelty of our of our nation's entire structure and history has been heightened and and made even more explicit than ever. Um, so I think that sense of clarity and focus, um, the sense of urgency, the feeling of 
wait, what are, what do we go to live art for? It's, it's entertainment. Sometimes it's entertainment like there. And that's, that is, is joyful and important. Like entertainment that distracts you from your sorrows or just like puts a pep in your step. That's fantastic. That's important. But art also focuses. Um, and I'm one, one show can be entertainment for one person and art for another and, and no value judgments with that. But that, as I said, that, like that sense of communion and transformation, um, that's possible when you're really connecting with a live performer. Um, I've, I've left shows feeling like I understood the world better, um, and something I'll carry with me forever. Um, and so I think that, that digging into really, I mean, why are we doing this? Because we're working really hard. (laughs) Yeah, we are absolutely. we are we are really like um it's it's so much work and and the work that we do um you know one of the things that's fun about live performances there's always a little room for improvisation whether it's artistically or whether it's problem solving it can be really satisfying to be like I just I left out there and I, I fixed the issue and no one ever the audience didn't know I got away with it <laughs> you know so for this show we're like absolutely no room for improvisation we are troubleshooting everything in advance there's like no nothing's gonna get messed up like so that's that's like so much we're putting so much work into that and you know this is like a this is a show that we're trying to figure out how we can manage to pay artists to do work during a pandemic and um this is round one of figuring that out um this this show is really quite expensive to make and we are going to have very comparatively very we have only 18 tickets per night available because we are bringing people in one at a time we always knew cars were not a very dense way to move people from place to place um so you know so for us this is round one but i think being able to say like all right so all the logistics it can be exciting to pick take on a big logistically complex project can also be a little tiring but we do this what is the reason that we're that we're making live art during a pandemic during any moment in time and I think that like connecting with that question in a really deep way feels like very like energizing and important um so I think that is I think that is um something I'm going to carry with me um into the future absolutely that's great um my last really quick question is if somebody doesn't have a car and perhaps has a bike Mm. are they able to go see the way out this is such a great question we you know access to a car that doesn't even describe everyone entangled to be completely honest with you so we feel that that lack of accessibility really keenly we're hoping to be able to offer individual tickets for people on bicycles we're going to see how philadelphia's covid levels are doing a little closer to the date but we'll have more information about that check out our website and social media for more information awesome great okay well thank you so much lauren for joining us on the podcast today and for sharing so much about your work and um what drives it and how it's changing. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to talk with you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Happy Hour on the Fringe. The Fringe Festival will be running from September 10th to October 4th. For tickets, head over to our website at www.fringearts.com and make sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, and Instagram and download the Fringe Arts app. 